Welcome to View from the Grandstand. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Justin Pora. My guest today, the one and only Mike Janela, stadium host for the New York Mets, also a broadcaster for the American Kennel Club. If you ever go to City Field into a Mets game, you will see Mike. He's breaking it all down, walking around the stadium. He'll be on the Jumbotron. He's doing everything great. Most importantly for me, he's a mentor. I met him the fall of 2019 through a Newhouse NYC program, a fellow Syracuse Newhouse alum, my friend Mike Chanel. How are we doing today, man? I'm great, man. Talking to you, so what could be better? I'm, I'm doing well. I know, yeah. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to see each other, but uh, hopefully we're, we're working towards that point soon, which is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, a rough year for everybody, right? Some rougher than others, but uh, I'm glad we can have the technology to talk like this live right now. And then, yeah, man, hopefully get you back out in person uh, to come uh, gas me up some more at City Field because you're a good hype man. <laughs> That's right. So let's start off with that. Obviously, being in the stadium for the Mets and your job, something that we we talked about a little bit before this, you know, last season with people going into the stadium, not necessarily happening. So that has an impact on you, but finally being able to be back in the stadium, fans thankfully back in the stadium. What has it been like getting back to kind of this normal routine that we haven't seen over here with fans back in the stadium and you back entertaining them all? It's been great. And I'll give the Mets a lot of credit and uh, not just because I'm a fan since I was a baby, right? And they're my employer, but during the pandemic, they did as great a job as possible, I think, with still giving people content to consume, even though they couldn't get to the ballpark. And, you know, I was a part of that. We were doing like interview series with former players, with prospects that would be on social media. They would be putting some of the inter-squad games that weren't on TV on their Facebook and stuff like that. So I was always kind of in touch with them and working with them throughout the pandemic. But like you said, it was never leaving home, right? Doing everything from my apartment, basically. So now it's good to be back now because like you said, normalcy is the word, right? We're all looking for that. We all want to go back to our Broadway shows or to a movie theater or to sitting at a bar and not having to worry about all the stuff we've worried about the last year. So to be able to now walk into City Field and see fans there, even at capacity. Mets fans are some of the loudest fans in the world. So 8,000 of them is like 30,000 in a lot of other places. And it's just been great. And, they, you know, we've, we're doing a lot more. We're blowing out a lot more of my responsibilities this year. We're doing a full-blown pregame show for anyone that's there at the stadium. We're doing more uh, contests and, and more giveaways and trivia and prizes and stuff all still safe. So there is that still that thing. It's not totally normal where I'm wearing a face mask uh, in the stadium where I'm not used to that and all the intricacies and nuances of what it's like to be a host or a broadcaster with a face covering on. I'm still getting used to it. Um, so small things like that are still a little bit different, but every day I go there, I do my thing and I see the line at Shake Shack is about 50,000 people long. So that feels like normal for sure. <laughs> Back at City Field. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful scene, you know, and especially just being in my position as a consumer of the sport, you know, I tune into the Yankee game, the Met game, and I see, you know, last year, no one in the stands. And baseball is kind of that type of sport where you live off the energy, I think more than most sports, just because you, you could hear the gasp of everyone hanging on every pitch. And, you know, there is the idea of having a guy in the stadium kind of walking you through the game. I feel like for most kids that every parent brings their kid to a 
a baseball game before everything. And, you know, that's kind of their first experience with broadcasting as well, because you see the guy on the Jumbotron. In that case, it's you in City Field, and they're entertaining everyone. They're, they're running up contests. They're talking to different fans, different player packages that they have done. So, you know, to have that type of experience back is definitely invaluable. And I told you, I'll actually be at Yankee stadium on Friday. It'll be the first sporting event that I'll be going to. And I feel like as people are starting to get into the idea of normalcy, finally being back, we're going to see more and more people in the stadiums and it makes your job more and more important, which is a beautiful thing because I know, you know, you miss out on it for a year, everything feels different, but now you're getting back in the swing of things and it, and it just looks awesome. Yeah. And not every team does what we do. I think we are like the most robust team in major league baseball when it comes to like using in-game hosts and the Yankees, I think have someone and they do maybe one or two hits a game. Right. Whereas us, we we're doing a full half hour pregame show before the game. Plus we're hitting you up almost every half inning with something. And for me, like, look, I'll be honest as a consumer, I I've been to almost every uh, stadium in the majors. So I've seen the in-game presentation. I'm not always paying attention to the in-game host on the stadium. Right. But having that voice there, I just know like that human connection where like the cap shuffle is great. Every stadium does that, right? But it doesn't feel like there's that human bond to it. And that's something I take a lot of pride in. Like you said, that that kid who's there uh, for the first time and they see this person up on the big screen with a microphone that gets to work at a Mets game. That's how I fell in love with broadcasting. Uh, on the TV side, I think it was, I don't know, Bob Costas or Al Michaels or somebody was like, oh man, I'm at this game and I, I can't think of a better place to be. And I thought, well, I want to play baseball when I grow up, but I suck. I'm like short and slow as an eight-year-old. I knew I wasn't going to make it. This sounds like a cool gig, though. I can still go to every baseball game and just be there talking into the camera. And my mom can watch me on TV at home. So I like to think that I'm doing that same thing for other people that maybe are at the stadium thinking, hey, maybe I love baseball, but I can't grow up to play it because I don't have that talent, but I can still be at every Mets game and interview Mets players and break down, you know, Jacob DeGrom's last start on the big screen and bring some happiness, some joy, some information to people. Like, that's a cool thing. So for me to have that sort of responsibility um, really makes me feel cool. And that was something, like you said, we didn't have last year. Just a lot of, a lot of cardboard cutouts uh, sitting in the stands, but now real people and you know, real content again, it's great. Great to be back. Yeah. And I feel like you kind of just, you know, represented all sports broadcasters and what you were saying before, you know, and someone that isn't able to really play the sport, but we love sports. I mean, look, I'm, I'm too clumsy and uncoordinated to ever play <laughs> a professional sport. That's my gig. And, you know, that's why I wanted to get into talking about sports, talking to people like you who get to talk to players and hopefully in my position, be someone who will talk to players. Eventually I was able to talk to kids at Syracuse about it, which was really awesome. But you know, just having that experience to be in the stadium after a year that was so tough, so many people. And, you know, now I think it's different than it ever was because if you're talking, you know, you walked me through City Field in 2019 in that fall. And it was one of the things I really remember about that fall semester. And, you know, with everybody there, yeah, to your point, like not everyone is paying attention to every single thing that happens on the video board. But I think now in 2021, after the year we just had, people appreciate every aspect that goes into an in-stadium broadcast. People appreciate even the hot dog vendor who's coming down, like whether it's face mask or not, all the sounds of the sport that you just haven't heard in a year. And 
I don't think that could really be understated just because the value of going to a sporting event. I mean, look, that's how these teams make their money. They make money by having people go into the stadiums. And I think, you know, there was kind of a fatigue of, oh, yeah, you go to a baseball game and there's 170 of these games a year and you could get a little bored, blah, blah, blah. But now after not being able to go for a year, you're seeing, as you said, it's usually you know, rainy in April and cold, and you don't really see so many fans going to the ballpark anyway. Well, now all of these stadiums are bringing people to the max capacity that they can because people just missed it so damn much that everyone just wants to get that feel again. They want to hear your voice and see you on the jumbo trout, you know, going through the cap shuffle. They want to, you know, buy the $15 hot dog from the vendor that wasn't able to work last year, going up and down, screaming at you. So there's real value in that, and I just feel it needs to be addressed. Yeah, it, it's a it's a comfort, right? Uh, sweatpants may not be the coolest fashion item or the most luxury item, but if someone took away your favorite pair of sweatpants for a month, like, yeah, once you get them back, you're going to want to wear those 24 hours a day. So we had sports robbed from us for a really long time, and I remember – the way we all watched the last dance last year on ESPN, like it was the Super Bowl, and we were just starving for so much sports. And I remember when the MLS bubble came back and then the WNBA bubble and the NBA bubble, I was watching literally, I'd never seen an Orlando uh, FC game before match before or whatever, but I was up until one in the morning watching an MLS like quarterfinal because I just, I love sports so much. Um, and that's the thing now. Like, yeah. You, you, maybe especially with baseball i think a lot of people take it for granted because it is always there but it's that companion that's with you six months of the year and through summer nights when you're hanging out with your buddies in the backyard and the mets are on tv in the background or you go out to a game to just just lounge and get some sun and watch and watch a game and so i think a lot of people that maybe did take that for granted are now realizing how much they missed it and especially with these, some stadiums still having the restricted capacity, you know, here in New York, we're only allowed 20% of fans. So even if you want to go to a game, maybe you can't yet. So by the time you finally get that first ticket and it's your first game back, no matter the sport since 2019, like you're ready for a good time. And for me, just walking that little walk up the tunnel, when you finally come out of the concourse into your seat and you see, you see the playing field, you see the arena floor. And that gives me goosebumps every time. But after the last year we had, it just goes up, a, a, you know, five, five levels. So I'm just really happy to be part of that and to, to be giving people a little bit more of the experience that they missed, even if they didn't realize that they missed it. Uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone, right? A hundred percent. Mike Janela, the in-stadium host for the New York Mets, joining me on the View from the Grandstand podcast. You mentioned how, you know, things shaked up a lot last year and, you know, for someone in your position, probably more than most other people. So I just want to, you know, give the, audience a little bit of an idea of what you did in your spare time because i know you've been podcasting very similar to something that i've been doing i saw that you've been uh doing some work with the american kennel club very exciting stuff so uh just kind of speak to how you've adapted to the situation around you and you know no one was allowed in stadiums for an entire year and now you're back you're you know very happy to have you back and that you're i'm sure you're even more happy that you're able to be there and still collect checks but now just kind of describe like what the last year was like for you in terms of, you know, just being creative and adapting to the situation around you to put you in the position that you're in now. And it was really hard at first because, you know, in a, in a lot of industries, I think 
work from home was already a thing, right? It, it wasn't encouraged and it didn't happen often, but if you were sick, you could still check your emails from home or you can still jump into a Microsoft Teams meeting or something if you were on vacation. So a lot of people I know that worked, and I'm using air quotes here, you know, traditional jobs, normal jobs, whatever, um, a lot of friends and family, when the work, when the office was saying stay home, they still had their laptops. They could still, you know, get into their emails, get into their spreadsheets, whatever. For us, like you have to go into the studio or you have to go to the stadium or you have to go to the site where the thing is happening normally. And it, it took it took media, sports media in particular, a long time to figure out how to adapt to what was going on. Uh, sports in particular, because what is sports without the games, right? And when the game shut down, there was nothing to cover. I remember we're watching ESPN and like SportsCenter would just have nothing to say for an hour. They'd be going over, hey, on this date, this is, they were going over historical games that happened on that date, you know, 10 years ago, because they had no new content. So a lot of people were taking a long time to figure that out. So the first few months were really tough. Um, I spent that time professionally, like doing nothing, uh, collecting an unemployment check and just to have some money coming in and taking care of personal stuff. So I, I caught up on a lot of the movies that I'd always said, oh, I'll watch that someday. And I finally did it. Um, or binging the TV series that I never got to watch, you know, Better Call Saul, Narcos, all these things that are like five seasons long and an hour each episode. And I tell myself, I never have time for this. Now I had time for so I did that. Um, worked out a lot more, like revamped my diet, took the opportunity to kind of fix my personal life a little bit when my professional life was giving me that freedom. Then finally, um, you know, sports and sports media started figuring it out and games started coming back. And then I started broadcasting a lot from home. Um, I was doing some stuff for MSG Network here in New York um, during the Stanley Cup playoffs where I would be giving like daily betting advice, filming it from my kitchen, um, you know, the, the studio, the TV studio slash kitchen slash living room in my one bedroom apartment in New York City. Um, and that was great because I had something to do every day and I was on TV every night. And again, money was coming in that I was earning. Um, the Mets started asking me to do more stuff digitally. So interviewing players and people on their YouTube and creating content for their social media channels and stuff like that. Um, I had my own podcast uh, as well, which, you know, this, we don't make money off podcasts. No, almost no one makes any money off podcasts, nope. but I was doing it just as a way to get no, nope, not at all. Uh, it actually costs you money to do podcasts because yep. of having to buy your equipment and get everything online. You don't make any money. So I was doing that with um, a former coworker of mine and she's also a host and an actress. And it was just good to talk to somebody else once a week and share that struggle and, and also just have a, a creative outlet for, for us. And then as that one kept going, then yeah, American Kennel Club, who I'd worked with occasionally before, um, they had a bunch of stuff coming up digitally and they asked, hey, can you film from home. And I said, yeah, I've been doing that the last couple of months already for some other places. So we launched um, a twice a month show there that now I'm shooting in studio again, thankfully in person. And um, yeah, so it was, it was really tough the first couple of months, but I, I used that professional, what's the word I look for? Drought, I guess, to reorganize a lot of stuff in my personal life. And then once the, the drought was over and, and rain started falling again, jobs started falling again. And then that was just sort of the bridge to get me to now where we have baseball season is back. And that is my bread and butter professionally. And now we're back to going in studio for, for, the, for the AKC. And then we go back to the stadium for the Mets. And hopefully more and more things just start opening up as we start realizing that 
we can we can do things a little bit like we used to because for a while there it was we couldn't it was it was really tough yeah and you know i come from a little bit of a different perspective but i share a lot of those you know same type of ideas because you know, i still have yet to have a college graduation i just kind of got mm. thrusted home you know two months early i wasn't ready to leave yet and I don't think any of us were. And we came back and there weren't any jobs in sports media. And, yeah. you know, I, I was lucky enough to get this gig over here at Media Village. Shout out Jack Myers. Shout out someone you know, Cheryl Brody Franklin, for yep. helping me out with the job, connecting me with Jack and, you know, putting me in this position. And, you know, Jack allowed me to do more of my niche, which is sports. But this job I never took for doing a sports gig. And that's because there were no sports around. And when sports were able to come back and the basketball season started up back in December, that's when I started my own podcast to try and get my reps and, you know, keep myself going. But for that long time, I wasn't doing much. I was working at a grocery store. The little league baseball started up in July. I was umpiring from behind the pitcher's mound of some places. And, you know, I was doing every possible thing that I could to immerse myself in sports and keep myself busy and maintain personal relationships and, and kind of, you know, stay in shape even when gyms weren't open. And it was something that happened to everybody, I think, that I've spoken to. And it's tough, especially people in sports media, you know, kids that I've graduated with still aren't able to get jobs because they've been so few. And, you know, a couple of them, you know, granted, have done their own thing. So, you know, to see all of these things kind of come together, it's good now that we're starting to get back to that point day by day and, you know, starting with fans in the stadium, starting with you being allowed to go into work. Place that I've interned, I know aren't going in studio in, until September. You know, it's all really different, but being able to adapt and be able to do everything possible you can in the situation you're thrown into is the most important thing because we're not like most industries. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for me this last year is control what you can. Um, I don't know what your audience is for, you know, for this podcast, if it's people that are trying to get into media or that like sports or whatever, it applies to anybody. Cause for me, that that's what I did at the beginning. I took control of what I could. It was all right. I can't work right now, but I can watch all these old TV shows. I've always wanted that are just sitting in my list. I can, I can revamp my whole diet. I can control that. I can work out a lot more. I can do this podcast. These are all things I could do. And in the content business, there's no better time than now. If, if we had this pandemic, you know, when I was coming out of college and there was no Instagram, there was no podcasting, like, I don't know what I would have done to stay sharp and make content. Nowadays, you can go live on Instagram from your house. You can have your own podcast. You can do a TikTok sports show. Like there's all these other opportunities. So uh and look we all hit a wall too even doing all that after four or five months of it i was still like damn when is this ever going to end yeah. and that was the i think the real strength of this pandemic was that it just went on forever and even the most resilient of us after a while we're going to hit that wall and you know i consider myself really mentally tough and it got to a point where I wasn't like, I didn't want to get out of bed some days. I was like, let me just lay here. What's the point? I'm going to move from here to my couch just to watch more movies. What's the point of leaving the bed today? Yeah. And I know for a lot of people, it was even worse than that. So uh, I, I love that, that mentality you have of, they just talked about, about controlling what you can, because that's, that's all you can do in situations like this. Um, it's really tough. And, you know, I, I spoke to a group of, um, of new house students uh, during the pandemic. So 
like you haven't gotten your graduation yet. And these kids were finishing up their senior years wondering like, what's gonna happen? Am I gonna graduate? Am I gonna find a job? And I tried to tell them like, look, when I came out of school, I graduated right into the, the great recession, like in 08, 09, when everything just completely bottomed out. And we had a lot of those same worries. Are we ever gonna work? Are industries gonna survive? that we want to work in. And like, you, you hate to say this because it's the classic, oh, everything's going to be all right. And it's hard to believe that in the moment. But five, 10 years from now, wherever your life is going to be, you're going to be a success in some regard. And you're going to look back on this time and say, wow, I got to live through that. And it made me a stronger or a better person, or it, it taught me something at least. And it sucks for a lot of people right now. And it sucks for a lot of people who have gone through these, a couple of these life-changing catastrophes in just the last 10 years. Like these are once in a lifetime events that were happening two or three times in, in just our adulthoods, right? So it's really tough for everybody, but I think no matter what the situation, like you said, do what you can to control what you can. And that's all you can ask for until, until things get back to some kind of normalcy, no matter what the situation is. I mean, you just put it perfectly as I ever could. And you know, look what it's done for you. You're getting now more opportunities with the bets. You, you know, went back to AKC where now you're doing more, you're going in studio, you're doing that more consistently. And, you know, even during a pandemic, MSG, get on TV a little bit. Nothing wrong with that. That's just no, called and, personal. And look, I know, and I know I'm lucky too, because, you know, financially I had enough money saved um, between that and like the unemployment checks coming in to, you know, keep afloat. I wasn't saving money or making money. I was living, you know, month to month through the, the first parts of the pandemic, but I'm not going to front and say that, you know, I, I was, I was struggling and a lot of people were, and they had to take work that they couldn't or they got evicted or you know there's so many horrible stories across the country people went through a lot of tough times so um it, you know it, i know how how thankful I, i've been and how uh, privileged in a way i've been and i know not everybody has but if if you've made it this far and life is still like okay and the worst part's over now it's about how can you take what you've learned whether it's an actual skill or something about yourself or your personality in this last year i think about it like with restaurants right we lost a lot of mom and pop restaurants this past year which really sucks but the ones that have survived to now like they're going to come roaring back like you know the the little taco stand on my street here that was shut down for a couple months, but now they're back and they've got a new outdoor patio and they've, they're reinvesting in themselves and they got new signage and a new menu. And I'm like, wow, you got, now's the chance for you to, you know, come out of these ashes roaring. And I think that's how a lot of people, hopefully, because everyone's circumstances are different. And I know some people might be listening to this thinking, well, my life is just never going to be the same for the worse. It might seem that way now, but, you know, try and come out of this stronger. I'm sure this last year taught you something um, that you can take uh, for yourself uh, to make, you know, now moving forward a lot better than what we got in the rearview mirror. Yeah, we're all going to come back roaring. I, that's I it, like baby. That. That's, that's right. It. We're going to come out ready to go better than ever. That's it. Uh, that's my hope for everybody listening and for the two of us talking. Yes, sir. My friend, Mike Janella, you go to City Field for a Mets game, you will see him everywhere around the stadium my good friend thank you so much for joining me and you know ho hopefully i'll i'll be able to see you soon that that's the hope hey man my pleasure talking to you now and yeah hopefully because you know zoom calls or whatever are great but nothing like a good a good dap a good hug a good you know just seeing someone in person so i hope to see that again too with you man yeah man have have some dinner have a drink again you know that good old yeah, exactly time. exactly looking forward to that and my buddy thank you so much 